Hey family, thank you for following and trusting the path that led you here. This is Flow Space, Conscious Conversations with J&D. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Deandra. Our discussions will be led by intuition and spirit as we continue to evolve and learn about what it means to live an earthly human experience. Today we have Kelly Ryan joining us for a conscious conversation. Kelly went from a chronically ill, stressed out corporate executive to a calm and centered mindset coach, meditation teacher, energy healer, breathwork facilitator, and transformational speaker. Kelly now teaches people all over the world how they can step beyond past limitations, overcome anxiety, connect to calm, consciously create their best life, and truly heal and thrive on every level. Kelly has inspired thousands of students to step into their own greatness and live their best life. As always, this episode is raw, unfiltered, and unedited to maintain its honest, true essence. This episode is sponsored by Flow Space Wellness, a one-stop shop for the mind, body, energy, as it prioritizes the well-being of the future. You can explore the offerings at www.flowspacewellness.com. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Well, welcome to Flow Space. I'm Deandra. This is Jerrica. I'm Kelly. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank thank you for joining (laughs) us. So Kelly, to get us started today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I live in San Francisco and I am a wife and a mom of two teenage kids and I spent about 18 years in commercial real estate financing and it was really stressful and around the time I turned 40, I just decided like life's too short to be living this way. I had an autoimmune disease and I was really just overwhelmed, burned out, stressed out and um, decided to make some changes and I started meditating and I had a total awakening and one thing led to another and I um, just kind of began following a spiritual path and following my heart a little bit more and learned, did deep dive into meditation and mindfulness and manifestation and breath work and Reiki healing and um, about Five years ago, I opened a meditation studio in San Francisco, which was a great experience. And then um, with the pandemic, we brought things online and I started teaching more and more and just realized that that was what lit me up. And so started pursuing a path of sharing all of the things that I had learned and that had helped me with other people. That's a beautiful story. And if you can, because I know um, it's a huge impact how meditation can help us heal our bodies. So just if you can go a little bit deeper in how um, you use the meditation and how it might have helped your autoimmune disease. Yeah, absolutely. So initially, I just started meditating for five minutes each day. 
And I was mostly doing it because I had taken a class where the teacher said, if you're wishing the past were any different or better than it was, you're living in the past. And if you're experiencing worry and anxiety, those don't exist in the present moment. That's about the future. And I was just like, oh, no, (laughs) I'm doing all of those things most of the time. And so I knew that I needed to, I, I wanted to become more present. And so I just got the app Insight Timer and I started waking up, you know, a little bit earlier than the rest of my family and meditating for maybe five to 10 minutes in the morning. And within a couple of weeks, I noticed really profound uh, changes in my overall sense of well-being, in my levels of pain, almost like disappearing or dissipating. I had um, psoriatic arthritis, so I was in a tremendous amount of pain, and I noticed that that seemed to be really subsiding, and I was sleeping a lot better at night, and I was just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Why didn't anyone, I had gone to many, many doctors before I got my um, autoimmune diagnosis who couldn't figure out what was going on, and I had tried all sorts of medicine and physical therapy and acupuncture and, you know, you name it, I had tried it. And meditation just helped me more than anything. And so that's when I started to kind of do a deeper dive into the science behind it. And I learned that most disease is caused by inflammation. And the primary cause of inflammation is stress. And meditation is actually the only way to relieve ourselves of stress that has been accumulated in the past. So there are many ways we can relieve ourselves of stress that we're experiencing in the present moment. Like we could, um, you know, go for a run or punch something or scream or, you know, do all sorts of things to relieve stress that we're experiencing in the moment. But what meditation does is it allows, um, stuck emotions, which are just energy and motion, to rise to the surface and, and be released. And so that's, I believe, why it helped me feel so much better. And it wasn't just physically feeling better. It was, you know, mentally, emotionally, and um, definitely spiritually connecting to, you know, the creator of our understanding, connecting deeper with ourselves helps us in our sense of connection with, you know, all all the relationships in our life and nature and the stars and the moon and all that good stuff. It's so powerful to hear you explain how meditation is such a tool for releasing things of the past and how it's tied to diseases that manifest, which only occurs over time of accumulating past moments or like past things that weren't addressed and how that manifests physically into disease. So it's so cool to hear you speak on how addressing those things through meditation helps revisit those spaces that once wanted to flow through us, those energies to be released in a way that's not um, um, like painful or can be super stressful. You know, it's, it's very relaxing 
Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes when people first started meditating and really anytime, there are painful things that can um, come to the surface. So, um, you know, for instance, I think I was holding a lot of trapped pain from grieving the loss of my dad when I was in my 20s. And keep in mind, at the time I started meditating, I was 40 years old. So I had maybe been holding on to some of that inside for a very long time. And so there were tears. And it's not to say meditation's just like a, ah, like experience of like a spa experience or anything. I think, you know, a lot of times things that we've repressed anger or whatnot do come to the surface. But it is beautiful because it's arising to be released. And and in that way, we really lighten our load. So it feels very freeing. So powerful. How would you define meditation? Mm, I would define meditation as just present moment awareness. And usually I like to use the breath as an anchor And so I always tell people, just like when we sit to meditate, our heart keeps beating and our lungs keep breathing, our mind keeps thinking. And meditation is really just a practice of bringing our attention back to the present moment. So every time we notice, oh, I'm thinking about my to-do list, just bringing it back to our, bringing our attention back to our breath. And then, oh, I've been sitting for 10 minutes, but I've been ruminating on you know, how things went this morning with my kids, and I'm noticing my attention and bringing it back. And a lot of times, people feel like they're meditating wrong because they can't stop thinking. But we actually have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So the purpose of meditation is not at all to stop thinking. Rather, it's cultivating the um, ability to better notice our thoughts and bring ourselves back to the present moment. And anytime, you know, the breath is just one object that you can use in meditation. You can use mantra, you can use sound, you can look at a candle and, you know, whatever it is, you're bringing it back to that object. Um, but it's so powerful because when we cultivate the ability to notice our thoughts when they're wandering off, Um, we can bring that with us throughout our day. And that's when you start to see the real impact that it can have on, on really every aspect of your life. And I have a question in terms of meditating to help um, revisit those past emotions that might be stored in the body so that they can be released. How does one go about that? Like if somebody goes to sit in meditation, do they set an intention before the meditation Um, or like, where does the connection between the past stored emotions and the present moment meditation, uh, connect? Mm. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I do always set an intention before I meditate. The reason for that is that our, where our attention goes, our energy flows. And so when we set an intention, we're asking ourselves typically, what would I truly love? What do I want? What do I desire? How do I wish to feel? And um, we could desire to go back to a childhood experience 
and, you know, let go of what's ready to be released, for instance, if it's something that we're always harping on. Um, And then we can have more aspirational intentions like um, I desire to uh, feel joy and ease and freedom and, um, you know, reach thousands of people with these messages of love and hope. Uh, So the intentions can be wide ranging and it can be an intention for for just this day or this year or um, a long ranging thing. Uh, But there are many different types of meditations and that's what I have truly enjoyed diving into all the different types of meditations and seeing how they affect me. And my favorite meditation um, for bringing up things in the past is a technique called RAIN. And RAIN stands for, um, the R in RAIN is recognize, the A is allow, the I is investigate, and the N is nurture. And so this is an opportunity to go back and work with some more difficult or challenging emotions or sensations we might feel in our body and to just um, open to them and embrace them because what we resist persists. And so what happens is a lot of times when difficult or challenging emotions arise, we ignore them or we numb them or we stuff them or we distract ourselves by being busy or you know what all the things that we do to avoid our emotions and that's really not our fault by the way because um we're raised in a culture that values our mind a lot more than our heart and our emotions and so in school and and even from very young ages, we were kind of trained to have much more awareness of our thoughts than our feelings and the sensations in our body. And so this RAIN technique allows you to go back and kind of intentionally recognize, okay, I'm feeling anger, and then allow the anger to be there rather than resisting it. And even that simple act of allowing the emotion to be there helps the emotion to release because we're no longer resisting it. We're no longer pushing it away. Then it's less persistent. And the interesting thing is emotions only last 90 seconds. They rise and peak and subside in just 90 seconds. But what keeps the emotions around a lot longer is the thoughts in our head and the stories we make about the emotion. Like, I don't want to feel angry or I'm angry because that person did this or, you know, we kind of go in a little negative thought spiral. And so when we take ourselves into a meditation and we're practicing rain, we're recognizing the anger, allowing it to be there, and then we can kind of investigate it. And I, I like to investigate with curiosity and wonder. So we're investigating it not by judging ourselves, not by making our anger wrong, not by criticizing and beating ourselves up as we tend to do, but to say, oh, I wonder what, where this anger comes from. I'm curious where it is in my body. What does it feel like? And really do a deep exploration. And as we explore with wonder and curiosity, um, compassion naturally arises because 
we see, you know, that part of us that's just a hurt little girl or little boy or misunderstood or was confused and took something personally that had nothing to do with us that caused the anger. And then that allows the anger to um, start to be released. And then the last step is the end, which is nurture. And that's just kind of asking, you know, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? What can I say to myself or give to myself that I needed to hear at that time that wasn't um, provided for me? And, and you, you know, usually that's just love and nurturing. And how can I bring some compassion to that aspect of me and let it be okay? Because it's natural to feel angry when, the, you know, whatever occurred and just kind of bring some um, deeper levels of acceptance to it. And um, in that way, it's the application of love to the parts of us that hurt, that heal us. And so that begins to restore us to our natural wholeness. I think it's so fascinating when you shared um, the emotions kind of stay with us for 90 seconds and then everything beyond that are the stories that we or thoughts that we attach to them so if anybody is experiencing an emotion in the moment what can be done so that those emotions don't become stored in the physical body Mm, I love that question thank you uh So if you're noticing a difficult emotion in the moment, I suggest that you actually bring your attention to your thoughts because um, our thoughts create our feelings and then our feelings create sensations in our body. And then based on that, we take action or we react a certain way. And then that's kind of how we naturally manifest. That's how we create our life. And so all that is to say that all feelings are caused directly by a thought. And so when you notice um, I'm feeling frustrated or um, disappointed or, or whatnot, then you can bring your awareness to what am I thinking? Because it's always a thought causing that um, frustration. And so if I'm thinking, um, you know, I wish that person didn't do this, let's say, then then we can start to work with our thoughts, you know, and and the questions to work with your thoughts I usually use are um, from Byron Katie, and it's, is this thought true? Can I absolutely know that it is true? Um, Like, what, what if the, what if the thought wasn't true? And then I like to ask myself, does this thought belong in my future? And you can just start working with your thoughts and oftentimes you notice okay that's thought that thought wasn't even true so i'm going to delete it or that thought really isn't supporting me and it's causing me to feel um frustrated and so what would be a higher thought and we can kind of work with our thoughts well rather than thinking i wish that person wouldn't act that way why don't I take responsibility, okay? And so then we're not outsourcing our frustration on someone else and we're taking responsibility for our sense of frustration. And then what could I do to be less frustrated? And we can kind of self-coach ourself um, into a place that feels better and, and into healthier thoughts. 
Yeah, I thank you so much for sharing those action steps because I find like even on a personal um, level, I can create a storyline and attach to it, knowing that it's not true, knowing that it doesn't feel good to me or it doesn't serve me in any way. And I'll hold on to this story just because I'm so wrapped up in whatever I'm telling myself and making myself believe in the moment based on what could appear to be facts through my perspective. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice to hear, like, you know, having that conversation within the mind. And I love when you said, like, about the future, like, if this emotion is going to, you know, serve me in the future, essentially. And if not, why am I creating this within my body? Right. Absolutely. And that 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 also brings us back to the power of intention is the more crystal clear we can get on our intentions. And for me, I became crystal clear that my intentions were to feel joy and freedom and ease. And so when when in that moment you're noticing a thought that's not serving you and you are clear that it's not serving you because it's not making you feel joy or freedom or ease, then it's it's um, easier to work with that thought and, and take yourself in the direction you want to go because our intention is literally like um, putting in a GPS location uh, for our subconscious mind 95% of our thoughts are subconscious and so when we direct our energy and attention towards our intention we're giving our subconscious mind a place to go and, and it makes it much easier to kind of let go of the things that aren't serving us let go of the things that are ready to be released. Let go of the things that aren't aligned with our greatest intentions. Yes. Along the way. And I have one more question um, about something you said earlier. For somebody who wants to release emotions um, that are stored in the body from the past, but they're not fully aware that these emotions are existing within them, do you have any like helpful tips or like how somebody can start that yeah absolutely breath work is my my favorite practice for releasing you don't even need to know what you're releasing but um our breath is our greatest tool it's free and it's always available to us and i practice and teach a technique called revelation breath work and this is a practice that's done um, through the mouth, breathing through the mouth and breathing deep into your belly, into your heart, and then exhaling and doing this rhythmic breathing for a long time. And what that does is literally it's like it's um, it's like plumbing up any emotions that are ready to be released. And people will, you know, sometimes cry, sometimes laugh, sometimes have, you know, memories that they haven't thought of in decades um, just come up to be released. And sometimes you have a big release and you don't even know what it is. So I can remember times where I just felt like a, a lot of tightness and tension in my body just all of a sudden um, just like melt and dissipate. And um, yeah, lots of lots of emotions come up during those sessions. Um, but I, I, I think breath work is hands down the most powerful way to release any 
uh, stuck emotions. That's so amazing because it's like you don't even have to know exactly what you're releasing. It, and I like that idea because sometimes I find that um, when people focus on healing, it's like this bottomless pit almost trying yeah. to get yeah, like to the root of something. And it's great. Like if you can identify the root, you know, great. But like how you just said the breath work, as long as this energy is no longer stored in the body and we're releasing it, who cares, you know, like in exactly what it is that you're releasing, like as long as it's going, you know, good riddance. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And when when you end a breathwork session, you feel your own energy. I mean, your whole body is literally vibrating. And that is such a reference point, such an anchor. I think it's our home frequency. And I, I try to always like memorize that feeling and come back to it because we're just really, um, our natural vibration is a very high state of vibration. Um, but during the day we tend to get, you know, bogged down with all the, all the, um, density of being alive in a human body at this time and, and, uh, everything that's going on in the world, all the chaos and, and whatnot. And so breath work is just a beautiful way to um, release all of that and remember our divinity. That's so powerful. <laughs> now, when someone is having emotions that aren't ideal to them, that they don't really want to be experiencing, how can someone move through that without identifying with them? Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's, I love that question. Okay, so um, first of all, I want to say even when we're experiencing emotions that we might not like, it's really important to allow those emotions to be there um, because of what I said previously of, of what we resist persists. So when we try to push it away, it's just going to persist even more. Uh, but I think it's really important to disidentify from our emotions and know that this too shall pass. And, and so that all of our emotions are just temporary. Our mind, I like to think of our mind as the vast blue sky and thoughts and emotions are just clouds passing by. And so the more we can put ourselves in the seat of the observer and just watch the clouds go by, without getting attached to them, the better um, we will serve ourselves. Uh, but there was something else I was going to say. Oh, I loved that question. Oh, I know. I wanted to say all, another way of disidentifying with the emotion is a lot of times we can say, we have to be very careful the words. Our words are very powerful. And we have to be very careful the words that follow I am. And so I never want to say I am sad. I feel sad. Okay. And I am uncertain. No, I feel uncertain. Because a feeling is just temporary. And, and we're, we're not, you know, all emotions are just temporary. And so even just having that sense of separation of this emotion doesn't define me 
it's just how I feel right now is I think one of the most powerful things we can do. Absolutely. <laughs> it is so life-changing because we can carry on in the day without identifying with these emotions as our being. It's just a moment that's passing in this human experience and yeah. allowing the flow to continue through us instead of becoming stagnant um, by not letting these emotions pass instead of identifying with them. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is... Um, when we're experiencing difficult and challenging emotions, it can be really powerful to reframe our perspective that those emotions are actually here to help us and here to help us grow and learn and expand because they're showing us what's out of alignment, what doesn't feel good. We can use our feelings as a guide. And so when something feels off or icky, then we, it's an opportunity to redirect ourselves towards the feelings that we desire. Now, I have a question. I'm still trying to figure out how to word it. But essentially, it's for somebody from the point of view that is super busy, like has a very hectic, stressful job, um, barely time to eat a meal during their day, then they go home and they either have children or they have pets, you know, like they have more obligations and they can never find that time for the self where they can say like, okay, I'm going to sit with my thoughts or even in the day to day, like working a high stress job, there's no times to really like sit and identify the emotions that are coming up or being experienced. Mm -hmm. um, what can somebody in that kind of situation do to begin? Well, so I have many things to say about that. Um, <laughs> first of all, okay. So first I would like to suggest that you carve out just five minutes in the morning. And it's such a powerful micro practice to uh, spend our first moments of waking up internally focused. So many people including myself, I used to do this, sleep with their phones by their bed and roll over and check your phone first thing in the morning. And that is literally just like giving your power away. Your energy is your greatest, your most valuable asset. And that's why advertisers pay millions of dollars, social media companies, you know, will do anything to get your attention. The news puts all this bad news on. You check your email and there's all these demands for your um, energy and attention for the day. And so if you start so externally focused, then you're just going to kind of be splat. Your energy is going to be splattered all over the place for the day. Whereas if you spend your first five minutes of being awake, just bringing your awareness to your breath and bringing your breath all the way down into your belly and noticing the rise and fall of your belly and the sensation of your breath and then maybe bring your attention to what your intentions will be for the day and really cultivate a practice of creating a life that you love in that way and then spend a moment or two thinking of things that are already in your life 
people and things that are already in your life that you're grateful for, including, you know, waking up in this body and in a comfortable bed and a warm house with resources. There's, we have so much to be grateful for. When you do these practices, your whole life changes. It's just for five minutes, but your whole life changes because you're training your reticular activating system to look for the good things in life. We tend to have a negativity bias and pay a lot more attention to what we don't like in life than what's good. And so this is a very powerful practice. Gratitude is one of the highest vibrating emotions. So I would just really encourage anyone to give themselves that five minutes um, to start every day, even if you have a baby, you know, the baby can cry for five minutes. I, 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 it, it's as a, as a mom, I know that struggle is real. Uh, but everyone will be better if, uh, your energy is set for the day and kids and coworkers and anyone we share space with or interact with during a day co-regulates with our nervous system. So just like those little metronomes when you're learning to play the piano or play an instrument that kind of keep the beat, you know how they start to sync together if you put a bunch of them in a room? You can YouTube it if you don't know that. And uh, and just like that, our, our families and our loved ones and our communities co-regulate with our nervous system. And many people right now have very dysregulated nervous systems because they're in states of chronic stress, because they're responding from past trauma, because they're in states of fear and sense of separation from um, nature and one another and loneliness and all the reasons why people would be dysregulated. And so it's such a gift that we're giving not only to ourselves, but to everyone whose lives we touch if we cultivate that little micro practice of meditating. And I have, if you go to our webpage at anchormeditation.com, I have a free gift that's a meditation Kickstarter and that has a bunch of meditation practices that are under five minutes because of course that's how I started and I think anyone who starts and realizes the impact that just five minutes will have on their day it really starts to create more time and the truth is there's nothing more precious than your energy your energy is currency and you do have the time. And so if you are telling yourself you don't have the time, I encourage you to be curious about that. You know, what makes you think that? Is it true? Um, Does that belong in your future? How are you going to create a future that you love if you don't have intention? Because it's then you're just kind of aimless in your days. Whereas if you anchor your day in intention and gratitude and presence um you can very powerfully create a life that you love and i will also just joke around and say if oprah has time so does everyone (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love it because it also brings more accountability back to the self and it makes the self responsible for one's own energy and really puts the responsibility in your hands for the life that you desire to live in the present moment and your future self. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody else can do that but you for yourself. And the the person who you will spend the most time with in your life is the voice inside your head. So you might as well make that a great relationship. Yeah. And to touch on what you were saying about the nervous system, like how most, well, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people, because of the way society operates, has a very like um, dysregulated nervous system. How can someone begin to bring awareness if their nervous system is dysregulated? And then if that awareness is there, are there any action steps that can be taken to bring your uh, nervous system into regulation? Yeah, that's the really cool thing is there are so many actions that can be taken to bring your nervous system into regulation. And there are so many natural ways that we can do this for ourselves and heal ourselves. And so I think um, as a culture, we have been kind of trained to outsource our wellness to a doctor or some sort of middleman or a priest or, you know, whatnot, when really there are many things, starting with our breath, that we can do to regulate our own nervous system. Um, but there are, you know, the, I guess the breath is the simplest technique. Um, anytime we have an elongated exhale, we're sending signals to our nervous system that we're in a safe space and it's okay to relax. So if you think about it, if you are in a dangerous situation, um, your nervous system goes on high alert. So let's say you're being chased by a tiger in the jungle. You're like, you know, running for your life and all tense and tight and constricted and um, your heart's beating and you're, you know, all, all systems are going. Or if you're about to be in a car accident, the first thing you do is go and kind of tense up, tighten up, constrict, hold your breath. Your breath becomes shallow and fast. And so anytime we take nice, long, deep breaths in and then extend the exhale, we're telling our nervous system that it's okay to relax. And, and because we would never be taking a breath like that if we were in a dangerous situation. And um, all like stress and anger and um, self-doubt and all of those things can't exist when we're taking nice, long, deep breaths and elongated exhales. And so that might be uh, um, breathing in for the count of five and breathing out for the count of seven. Sometimes holding our breath is powerful so we could breathe in for five, hold for five, and then exhale for seven. Um, so those are those are probably the quickest ways we can regulate our nervous system. And like I said, you know, this is something that we can easily practice when we find ourselves irritable if we're in bad traffic or if we're in a line at the grocery store or if we're in the bathroom and we're about to give a presentation and we're feeling anxious. We can just do these <clears throat> breathing techniques to 
um, calm our nervous system down. And then beyond that, there are, you know, a variety of um, holistic modalities like EFT tapping, breath work, Reiki, um, and things that can help. So, yeah, lots of different pathways to help um, serve, uh, you know, calm the vagus nerve and the nervous system. And, and one thing that's important to note, I think, is when we're in states of chronic stress, we lose access from our amygdala to our prefrontal cortex. So our amygdala is at the base of our brain, and it's like a guard dog, and it's always looking around for um, things to kind of jump at and be afraid of, and it's on high alert. And when that goes off, what happens is we lose the connection to our prefrontal cortex. Our prefrontal cortex is like a wise old owl. It's where all of our executive functioning takes place. It's where we have um, clarity and focus and creativity and productivity and um, insights and collaboration and everything. And so it's really important to bring ourselves back into nervous system regulation so that we have access to our higher functioning brain. Um, yeah. And how does that correlate? I saw that you had um, hosted or continue to host a workshop about optimal mindset. Mm. Um, how is that? Yeah, the optimal mindset is um, really powerful because there's lots of simple brain training techniques we can do. There's um, <clears throat> things like neuro-linguistic programming and um, hypnotherapy and uh, things, but it's science is now showing that we have the ability to rewire our neural pathways. And so we can learn these um, simple, practical, applicable tools to use in everyday life to have a more optimal mindset. And it really just comes down to getting a better understanding of um, how our, our brain, heart, gut connection and learning to some really easy practical tools to um, help cultivate a mindset that will support us better in creating a life that feels good and creating a life that uh, has meaning and, and is aligned with our values. And I think it is so amazing and beautiful and it's so empowering that we hold all of these tools within us, just like you mentioned, as simple um, as working with our breath. We're able to do so much for ourselves if we take the power back into our own hands, into our own bodies, as opposed to seeking um, outside. And like you mentioned, and I feel like this is a really common topic that I constantly come across is that people go to um, doctors looking for uh, solutions for like health related issues. And mm -hmm. it's almost like a running, um, like, a you know, like the hamster wheels, yeah, like just constantly running. And then something like meditation, how that helped you. Um, it's not spoken about and it's not like one of the first go to's on the outside world. Like nobody's saying like, oh, yeah, just go do this breath work class and it's going to help you in some way. Yeah. 
So do you it's, have any? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, just along those lines, I mean, it's even amazing. I'm taking an herbalism class right now. And, you know, we started out with wild, drinking wild weeds like nettles and burdock and oat straw and stuff. And just how soothing those are that are just growing all around the world in natural climates. How nourishing those are to our nervous system. Why am I 45 years old and I'm just having this for my first time? And my whole family has started taking it. We've just been doing it for two months. We drink a certain tea in the morning and a certain tea in the afternoon that's um, good for calming our nervous system. And it's very extremely effective. And so I don't know why, you know, I do know why. Uh, you know, people, there's, there's a whole... Um, pharmaceutical complex that stands to make a lot of money and there's a whole industrial food complex that stands to make a lot of money by marketing um, things to us a certain way but really there are many many natural remedies and many ways that we can empower ourselves by um, taking the responsibility for our own healing and that's not to say I, I believe in western medicine I believe in um, you know, therapy um, and all of that. But I also wish that more people knew that there are these uh, things that we can do for ourselves to make our life so enriched. Yes. And I find that, like, um, as you mentioned, herbalism, it's something that I'm, I love because the earth, I feel, provides everything that we need um, to heal or get through whatever we're going through. But I find that a lot of people who, if I hear somebody saying that they're experiencing something, I'm like, oh, you know, you can use this herb. There's a lot of skepticism surrounding it. So it's really interesting because I also feel that's the same thing for, let's say, Reiki healing or any type of energy work. There's this disbelief or a great skepticism surrounding these topics. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. And I, and I, I think it's kind of cool because I used to be pretty skeptical. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you it's real, you know, and what I've learned is that we're actually 99% energy and we're less than 1% matter. And we're made of the same elements as the stars and the earth. We're 80% water. And so, you know, the moon affects the ocean's tides and it affects us too. And so anyone who looks at any science for the past, you know, 10 or more years, it, they have proven that we are energy, we live in a quantum field of energy. And um, it's very important for us to learn how to manage our own energy. And I, I, I think that that's a big part of the uh, change that we're all experiencing in the world right now is to go from being so in our minds to really coming into our heart and and into our body and being more embodied and that entails you know understanding our own energy and learning to work with energy and um, you know there are the natural laws of universe are based on energy and that's something I, I don't understand why we don't learn in school because um, that's, you know, 
separate from any religion and it's just the truth about <laughs> the way the world works so um, anyone who's interested in doing a little bit of a deeper dive into that there's a really good book by Deepak Chopra called the seven spiritual laws and that's there are there are many laws of the universe but that's a great place to start to gain an understanding of energy and I of course teach some classes about that as well <clears throat> Now, um, in terms of, do you teach classes regarding like the quantum physics or anything like that? How did you start researching it or get into it? I do. I um, have just been blessed with so many. I mean, that's what's cool about being alive at this time is we have access to so many resources and so much information. And um, we always have our discernment to kind of um, see what feels true for us as we investigate things. But um, uh, yeah, I just started doing a really deep dive into things and I kind of distilled things into six pillars that I think are the most important. And so I, I teach on those six pillars and um, that's relaxation. Cause like I said, the first thing we need to do is calm down our nervous system um, and then compassion, emotional awareness, uh, optimal brain training, open-heartedness, and manifestation. And then for each of those areas, I've just done deep dives. I've read tons of books. I've taken tons of courses. I've, you know, watched millions of YouTube videos and um, just been really fortunate to come across a lot of amazing teachers. And so I just distill all that uh, information from all these different sources, primarily based on um, spiritual psychology, positive psychology, modern science, and ancient wisdom, and then just teach what's true through all those strings. I like to see, you know, what, what do all religions say? All religions say only love is real. Fear is an illusion, you know, and so it's just kind of pulling those threads of what what is spirituality and science and psychology all um, saying are true and and is this true for me and have I seen it be true for other people and then I kind of teach from that place but the other cool thing I think is that we're all students and we're all teachers and that's um, very different you know I want to I want to learn from you I feel like we all have different experiences in life and and we all um, can share with each other and learn and grow together. And so that's what's so great about community. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that like we are all students of life and we all have messages to share with one another. Um, to go back to when you mentioned like you were a skeptic at one point in your life as well, how did you transition or make the steps to transition to being open to you know, all of this unseen energy and the things that we can't physically prove um, by touching them, but we can feel and experience? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it was something that happened overnight. I think it was something that happened in time. And <clears throat> I think I was at least open to approaching ev everything with a certain amount of being open to um, whether this is true or not, whether this feels true for me. And then I think also I <clears throat> learned a lot about 
signs and synchronicities and had kind of a perspective shift of I used to feel like life was happening to me. And that was a very like, um, you know, he said this and it made me feel that way or I have to do this or I should do this or, you know, kind of a victim mentality to shifting the perspective to life is happening for me and life is happening for my growth, my learning, my expansion, my ascension. And when you look at things that way, then you look at everything as an opportunity to learn and grow and expand. And then you, you kind of start to see um, more signs and synchronicities. Like I'll sit down in the morning and meditate with, you know, um, a certain intention. And then maybe my intention, I remember there have been times where I've thought, I want a teacher who can teach me about abundance. And then like, you know, someone will gift me a book about abundance. And then I'll be watching YouTube and randomly a teacher comes on about abundance and just like all the resources are provided. And, and I guess I started to develop, cultivate a more like a deeper level of trust um, in, you know, that, that um, I wouldn't have desires that uh, like, I trust that my desires are my destiny and that the universe is wanting to help me fulfill my destiny and giving me the lessons that I need to learn along the way. And so then obstacles become learning opportunities. And um, yeah, it's just now what I know to be true. But I guess I haven't, I've never thought about this question. So thank you for asking it. But I guess the first step in that for me was learning about flower essences. I was studying flower essences many years ago and uh, I learned that I read in a book that uh, by Katie Hess, um, called, the book is called Flower Evolution and she's, she talks about how bees and butterflies and hummingbirds that pollinate flowers are not attracted to the flower's color or its scent. They're attracted to the color's energy vibration. And they all have antennas. And when the flower is ready to be pollinated, it lets off a high-frequency vibration. And that's how they know to go to that flower. And then once that flower has been pollinated, it lowers its vibration. So they know to um, go to other flowers. And I just thought, my God, if, you know, the God or the creator of our understanding is so perfectly supporting that miraculous ecosystem that we just kind of maybe walk by without even noticing on a daily basis, then can't I trust more that um, the universe has my back too? Wow. <laughs> Such a micro scale of something that reflects us. It's so supportive and empowering that, you know, we are taken care of, that we're supported, we're being guided, that it is a dance that we're co-creating and, and we have the tools and the power to use, to utilize it in our favor. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do, 
do you find that you had any obstacles that you had to overcome to really um, be able to embark on this journey and now have it be, you know, your life's work? And if so, how did you overcome those to really say yes to this path? Oh, um, yes, there were many obstacles. There still are many obstacles. And like I said, I think those are all opportunities to bring us closer to our truth and, and closer to fulfilling what we are alive to do. Uh, so I, I feel like over time I've learned to welcome and embrace difficulties and challenges. And um, there have been a lot of lessons along the way, and I wouldn't change anything because they brought me to exactly where I am right now, and everything has not been easy, and it hasn't been perfect, and I still don't have it all figured out. I'm just kind of, you know, a regular person, just like you guys, uh, doing the best I can and, and sharing what has helped me with other people and and buzzing with the excitement of sharing it with other people feels really satisfying because I know how it can help people feel better and feel more free and more sovereign and um, just tap into the the truth of who they really are and and that is you know we're all we're all love and and the more we allow love to flow through us, the more we bring that energy of love to humanity right now. And I, I think it's really needed. And so I am very clear that I care a lot more about that and that that's my, my value and my priority. And uh, it makes the, the challenges feel minor in comparison to bringing that love, you know, through me and, and uh, sharing it with, with whoever's ready to receive it. Yeah. And I think that's such an important um, piece to it all um, to highlight because of the journey that we all are on and how it can be, um, appear to be like discouraging or like why me you know that victim mentality or comparison to others that may be appearing like they have it all figured out and the truth is like none of us do mm. um so it's great to have that perspective be shared to ground in that concept and empower people to see their life as a gift and all of their experiences as um gifts of their destiny you know like helping them pursue what it is that they're here to pursue in each moment and welcoming it with open arms and an open heart and with gratitude mm -hmm. yeah and I was gonna ask and I'm glad you mentioned the victim mentality again because uh, Kelly you had previously mentioned it um switching the perspective from this is happening to me and then it's happening for me it's, it can be like a tricky thing to realize when you are in a victim mindset, um, that you are in a victim mindset because <laughs> the thoughts can really 
convince you that you're not being victim and what's happening to you is like, oh, it's happening to me. Um, how can one recognize that that mind pattern and then work to rewire it? Mm. Um, okay, so I think one of the best ways to recognize that mind pattern is anytime we are blaming, shaming, and complaining, we're not taking full responsibility because we're blaming, blaming, blaming and complaining about other people and shaming is usually, um, we're shaming ourselves. And so I think that anytime we notice that we're blaming, shaming and complaining, um, we can take responsibility. But when you say take personal responsibility, people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, it doesn't sound very fun or rewarding, but, um, but it is because, um, the truth is that our power lies in our choice and our choice is, you know, the one thing that can't be taken away from us. We all have free will. We all have agency. And so I think I, I think I, I kind of got into a victim mentality when, my dad passed away when I was in my early 20s, really suddenly. And then I kind of got a thought in my head to comfort myself that, well, that was my one bad thing in life. And so now I've gone through it and nothing else will happen. But then sure enough, you know, no one's life is one bad thing and that's it. And so then years later, I went through other um challenges, financial challenges. I had a miscarriage, you know, things that are just um, part of life, but I kept just feeling victimized. Why me? Why is this happening to me? So if you're asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Or if you're kind of making rules about it, um, one, one thing to do is to consider what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced in life and how have those challenges helped you to become the person that you are today? And what positive qualities do you have today as a result of those challenges? And so, for instance, you know, my dad dying at a young age, I have a lot of empathy. I have a lot of compassion. I have um, faced death now many times in many different ways and have an ability to uh, support people who are grieving. Uh, I've, I have also made peace, I think, with my own death. I, I um, had a cancer scare several years ago and, and had to go through kind of facing my own mortality. And um, so in these ways, it strengthens me, it gives me resilience, it helps me be, um, more loving and and oftentimes when I ask people that question about what are the what are if you had to name the three hardest challenges you've ever gone through they will be um, the same things that people are so grateful for and so um, we never know we never know um, sometimes it's hard to make meaning of things when they're happening and they feel hard but the truth is that um, 
we never know what it's what it's here to teach us but if we if we approach it with curiosity and wonder uh we can we can learn a lot yeah because i feel like it's always easier to reflect back on past moments and experiences and see what those moments provided us once we're out of that like cloud that it can put us under and even for myself like when i'm experiencing something i'm constantly like okay what is this as hard as it may be whether it's grief or tragedy like whatever it can be i'm like okay this moment is serving me what am i receiving because i find that it allows me to not slip into that victim mentality because it is really easy to do so um and it's like once that one thought goes you know it continues and continues <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we can definitely have negative thought spirals, you know, so it's that's why it's so powerful to be able to notice our thoughts and, and you know, bring ourselves back and have these these tools and techniques to bring ourselves back. With your meditation practice, what have you noticed um, differently and what have you noticed in your life has changed on a day to day since integrating this practice into your life to kind of give someone some perspective and how this practice may be um, helpful for them who are considering it but aren't quite like um, ready to be fully inspired to actually take action on integrating mm. it. Yeah. Thank you. I think that what it's given me the most is freedom of mind. And so when people have a lot of um, energy and attention on their thoughts and anxiety and overwhelm, um, we're in our heads a lot. And as we learn to um, meditate, we get out of our heads and into our hearts and into our bodies more. And we can find the love in our heart and the the peace in our body and the freedom in our mind. And I think for me, those have been the most tangible aspects. I just feel like I used to be so um, misaligned. Like I would show up one way at work and one way as a mom and one way as a wife and I kind of had like the different roles that I played and meditation allows you to turn the flashlight of awareness onto yourself and kind of understand yourself more and, and what you, what you uh, want and what you desire and what you value and what your purpose is and then to live in all areas of your life aligned with your true self. And so for me, that has just been really enjoyable because I'm not being, I'm not pleasing other people. I'm not, you know, doing it for the money. I'm just doing it for um, my desires to feel free and to feel joy and to feel ease. And, um, that feels more aligned with the truth of who I am. So 
It feels really good. And how did you liberate yourself from these titles and the expectations associated with the titles to bring that alignment of who you are and closer to your truth into your everyday way of being? Mm. Uh, I think it was over time. And I think that's why meditation is called a practice, you know. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that science shows we can rewire our neural pathways. And that one of the ways that that happens is by repetition. And so um, let's imagine that there's that there's a big field of um, wheat grass and there's a tree on the other side of the field and I want to get to the tree, but there's no path. Right. And so the the for me to get from where I am to the other side, I'm going to have to carve my own path to get to the tree. And then the next day, if I wanted to go to the tree again, I could carve another path or I could follow the path I took yesterday. And the path I took yesterday is the path of least resistance, right? Because I don't need to make my way. It's just easy to follow because it's already all carved out in the wheat field. And so we follow the path of least resistance. And our mind will always follow the path of least resistance. But when we bring our conscious awareness to, okay, the path of least resistance is a thought pattern or a belief or a story or a limiting belief that is no longer serving me. It's not serving my highest good. It's not bringing me what I want in life. Then we can rewire the neural pathway and establish new thoughts and and new beliefs that do support us in creating a life that we would love but that takes intention and it takes awareness of our thoughts and it takes noticing each time we're you know going down that old pathway of the habit that's not serving us or the limiting belief that's keeping us stuck and and bringing ourselves back to the present moment and and creating a new pathway and we need to repeat that pathway many, many times until it becomes the path of least resistance. And that's really how we rewire our neural pathways. And so, you know, there are many, many um, meditation techniques and practices that can help support us in doing that. And so it was really just been a matter of cultivating these practices and learning these techniques from uh, many different teachers. And, and many of these techniques have been around for, you know, thousands of years in, in other cultures um, and, and learning those techniques. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm still learning, you know, new ones and I'm still have um, new aspirations for myself and new intentions and new inspirations because we're always you know, continuing to grow and expand. So, yeah. And what, how do you, um, because in the beginning of the episode, you mentioned about um, if you are living in the past, you're experiencing like those regretful feelings. And then if you're worried about the future, you're not in the present moment. How does having these aspirations for oneself and maybe setting goals and, you know, wherever you intend to go for yourself, how does that um, coincide with being present in the now? 
Yeah, so the best place to create your future is in this now moment. And so if you want to become something, you can use that intention. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a concrete example. Let's say I wanted to have a thousand people sign up for the next time I offer my online meditation course. Then I can ask myself, who do I need to be right now to embody the person that a thousand people would want to learn from? And then I can start making my decisions about my my thoughts now, my habits now, my um, everything. And so, yeah, I think it's really... Um, Michael Bernard Beckwith says that pain pushes until vision pulls. And I think what he means by that is the pain of the past will continue to kind of push us along and, and, and will carry that kind of hurt and, and um, heaviness of the past and the pain and the suffering and the struggling until we have a vision that can pull us towards the future. And so then when we can, in this moment, you know, just be in this moment, but be the person that we are becoming and make decisions from that place. And it's similar. I don't like to use the diet analogies, but it's similar of like, if you wanted to lose 10 pounds, you know, what eating decisions would you make right now? Would you be snacking would you be eating late at night would you be having sugar or if you're if you're the person who lost 10 pounds what would you order right now yeah I love it because it really brings back the power of the choices we have in every moment and that's like I get the diet analogy it's really it can be applied to whatever it is whoever it is that you want to become or whatever it is that you want to do you have to make the choices right here, right now to aid you in getting closer to that truth of your desire. Yeah, exactly. And making a new choice is literally like jumping on a new timeline. Like you're taking yourself towards, you know, the the intention that you've set. Every time you make a new choice, it's like, whoa, you're changing the course of things. You're making a different decisions. And I think that um, ex- life's experience and life's, lessons are are kind of you know we live in a spiraling universe and so they keep coming back and um coming back in different ways it's just like you know sometimes you can end a people end a relationship with one partner only to get into kind of a the exact same relationship dynamic and that didn't work in their next relationship right but it, things kind of spiral back for us to go oh oh I can make a different decision. I can, I'm conscious now. I see this from a different perspective. I learned the lessons and now I'm going to make a different choice. And that's how you you are pulling yourself towards the vision of your future. Yeah, I love it because it's so empowering. Like I always love hearing things, tools, tips, stories that really highlights how powerful we are just within ourselves. Yeah, me too. Me too. And that's been like mind blowing for me. Like literally I, I teach this energy clearing technique called Ho'oponopono 
and it's a it's a technique um there's a lot more to it but that's just the short version since we only have so much time as um to repeat these phrases i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you and and to um clear our energy in any situation by repeating those four phrases and then um there's some more to it but that's the simple version and just how when i am in a conflict with someone and i start doing the ho'oponopono just me changing my own energy shifts the whole dynamic and once you start to see oh when i am in an argument with my husband for instance we had quite the argument this weekend so this is (laughs) what's coming up for me but it's like when I, instead of being triggered when he's raising his voice at me, instead of, you know, being defensive and yelling back, but when I really stay present with myself and take a deep breath and express myself with love and compassion, because we're just having the conflict is just a misunderstanding or, or um, you know, maybe one or both of us responding from, Um, a triggered place which is usually like a childhood trauma that is matching the picture of what's going on right now and bringing you to this kind of heightened emotion that you're expressing but when I can just stay with myself and not make that about me and not engage in that way but make the choice to respond with kindness and love and compassion and vulnerability how it just completely diffuses, in this case, my husband's energy in that situation. Um, and then we can have a loving conversation and, and come to a greater understanding of each other and each other's feelings and perspectives and needs and desires. So um, it really, I think once you start to experience how your energy can affect other people, that's really powerful. And for me, that happened in an incredible way during COVID because, of course, I was at home with a husband and two teenagers in a very small house. And I live in San Francisco, so we have a, a small place. We share one bathroom, and there were four of us on Zoom calls. It was very, like, noisy and chaotic. And I just started to learn, like, oh, I can put relaxing music on throughout our house and it brings everyone down or I can put some aromatherapy in the diffusers and just that calming scent of lavender will kind of you know bring it down and when we're shifting from the doing of the day to the being of the evening I can dim the lights and light a candle and have some make everyone some tea and just how these little subtle things really affect um, everyone's energy as, as you start to understand the power of energy and the power of choice of making those choices. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so beautiful because like from the story you shared, like in regards to the argument with your husband, it's really moving from a place of the heart space and love. And like you said, the compassion, kindness, and not allowing the ego to take over and then like create those thoughts where it's like no I like you know like the concept of like having to be right or prove like whatever it can be 
So it's really allowing, um, and I think like the meditation, all of it, your way of life that you've shared, the tools that you use all contribute to allowing you to stay present and move from that space of love as opposed to like the thinking mind. Yeah, totally. And and really, I think over time, my whole day has become a ritual. You know, I used to, I used to have no rituals. And I, I literally, when I had kids, I was so overwhelmed trying to work and have kids that I didn't even feel like I had the time to, you know, brush my teeth some days or put lotion on or, you know, just like my self care was, was very low. But over time, when you start to realize how much you having a good relationship with yourself has an impact on every aspect of your life, then you get it. And you're like, of course, I would never skip meditating. It would be like, to me, it's like, you know, I don't know, not showering or something. It's like, I I always say, you know, it's ridiculous because we, we plug in our cell phones and we recharge our computers and we re- refresh our batteries and everything, but we, we don't do anything to renew our own energy and, and we are energy. So, um, it's, it's a beautiful gift that we can give to ourselves. Yeah. It's the, um, energetic hygiene. Like you said, the shower, yeah. I would say like we need, um, like Reiki, I say it's like a bath for our energy Um, We need to prioritize our energetic hygiene because that contributes to our overall well-being. Yeah, absolutely. It was just so nice. I just wanted to point out the way that you described the rituals that you carry throughout your day and how the small changes and what you do in your home can have such a large impact in how you're moving throughout each moment. Um, It reminds me of just the crafting of life and how much of an art it is and that we are the creators of it and really bringing kind of like a romance to the way that we live life and like romanticizing our our experiences by um, creating and finding beauty in them. Mm. Yeah, thank you. My whole, I have like full body chills. It's a yeah. yeah, I think it's like a beautiful way of being. It's a beautiful way of being. And if for anyone who's listening to this that might just be starting uh, the journey of, of becoming more present and more aware of what's going on right now, one great simple suggestion I have is to consider uh, putting calendar reminders on your phone maybe four times a day that just say, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? How am I breathing? I did this for myself when I first started meditating because I noticed when I um, was sitting at my desk doing my uh, work at the time in commercial real estate financing, a lot of times I was like hunched shoulders, holding my breath, typing something frantically, like feeling like there's 10 things to do at once and whatever. And so I, I, started trying to notice when I felt that way and bring myself back into a more regulated state. And the practice of, you know, it popped up on my phone maybe at nine in the morning, one in the afternoon, four in the afternoon and eight at night to just um, pop up a reminder. What am I thinking? How am I feeling? How am I breathing? It really helped me cultivate 
doing that throughout the day. Because then, of course, if you notice you have um, are not feeling well uh, and you want to prioritize your wellness, then you can make a list of things that do make you feel well. Maybe that's walking in nature. Maybe that's writing in a journal. Maybe that's phoning a loved one. Maybe that's dancing or singing or um, you know, just pausing for a minute to do those nice, long, slow, deep, elongated exhale breaths that we talk about. Uh, maybe that's aromatherapy, whatever it is for you. Um, but but you, you can kind of start developing a greater awareness by having those calendar reminders and then doing something to bring yourself back to um, your natural state of well-being. Yeah, I love that, the reminders, because like I always think about how busy people can become on the day-to-day. So you can set the intention in the morning, like, yes, I'm going to dedicate myself to check in today. But then the day happens, things are moving fast, and it can easily slip your mind. So taking that action step and holding yourself accountable to that reminder is so good. It's like really helpful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why intentions are so helpful too, to set intentions at the beginning of the day and then bring yourself back to that intention. And when I'm working with intentions, I, I, I lead every month a new moon breathwork ceremony. And on the new moon, we let go of whatever's ready to be released, what we want to let go of, what's no longer serving us, what, what we are carrying as tightness and tension in our body and then we set intentions for the month ahead and if you told me if you told me six years ago I would be doing you know moon (laughs) ceremonies of any type I would have found that laughable but it really I feel like (laughs) like my accountability buddy because it's like every month I'm setting intentions that intention I meditate with every morning and then as the moon, you know, grows to the full moon and and back to the new moon, it's kind of a, both opportunities to check in with, you know, my intentions. Am I aligned with them? Am I taking the um, inspired actions that are necessary? Am I being the person who, um, you know, is the fulfillment of this intention and all of that? So there, there's many things we can do to help ourselves and, and, um, yeah, I just love, I love talking about this with you guys and, and sharing it with other people. So thank you for this opportunity. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been sharing such gems of wisdom that are such practical takeaways that people can begin to implement today, you know, and that's always so valuable because it helps people start to take action and live more mindfully and create the intentional life that they desire for themselves and like take back their power you know all of us have the ability to like in every moment there's always room to take back our power and little things that we don't even notice we're giving our power to yeah yeah I I would also I would also love to add um we've talked a lot about noticing our thoughts and stuff and one tool that I think is really helpful is we all have five basic needs, and those are the need for safety, the need for belonging, the need for unconditional love, the need to be seen, and the need to be heard. 
And so when we're triggered or when we're feeling we're having thoughts that are um, unsupportive or we're feeling icky, oftentimes we can do it just a self check in, which of those five needs isn't being met. And then how can I, you know, support myself in meeting that need or, or get the support that I need in meeting that need. Yeah, I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Like the quick check-in with the self to see what is needed, what's missing, so that the missing thing can, um, you can take action on it and help regulate yourself. Sometimes it's something so simple as like needing to drink a glass of water or needing to eat something. And we don't even realize that that's what's causing us to react to things in a certain way. (laughs) Yes, that was me many years ago (laughs) at my desk, starving, thirsty, having to pee, anxious, whatever. So so for everyone, (laughs) because I I literally used to like get to three in the afternoon and realize, oh, my God, I haven't eaten anything all day. And it's time to pick my daughter up and, you know, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, it's such a, you know, it's many wild lives that we live in this one life. <laughs> and it's cool Absolutely. to reflect. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's amazing the many lives that we live in one lifetime and to be able to reflect on the past and see how far we've come. That's such a celebration in itself. Yeah. You know, it's so rewarding and it's such a positive way to look at life, especially when we have a lot of aspirations for the future. Um, so it's great to be reminded of, okay, I may not be, you know, all the way where I I desire to be in the future, but you know, I've come such a long way and now I actually know that I'm hungry and I take action on it and I create space to meet my basic needs. Yes. And, um, Kelly, we ask all of our guests a few questions and one of them being, um, one of them is what does being feel and look like for you? What does being feel and look like? Ooh, um, being feels like presence and it feels tingly and it feels like my soul is descended into my body and it feels true and it resonates at a high vibration and it feels like love. Yeah. Oh, I love that <laughs> so much. Yes. And like witnessing you um, feel into it, you know, like that response was based on true feeling from feeling into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like mm-hmm. truly. And do you have a favorite quote or a favorite mantra? Mm. I I would say I love the quote by Lao Tzu that nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished. And I think for me I was just I I was raised to be an achiever. I'm I'm pretty smart. My my mind is pretty smart and I'm I'm good at making things happen and Um, I really like, if I really want to be present, I need to, uh, remind myself of that often. Just nature doesn't hurry yet. Everything is accomplished. And, um, it's a beautiful way for me to remember that, you know, everything's unfolding perfectly as it's meant to. And 
I don't need to do anything to uh, I don't need to do anything to speed things along or make things different than they are. I can just be with what is right now and allow things to unfold in perfect timing. Yeah, I love that quote. I've I don't I haven't heard it like how you shared it. I didn't even know whose quote that was, but I always reflect back to nature how things aren't rushed, they're not controlled, yet nature thrives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah, that's to me so comforting. And I I like to find like nature is in harmony. And so harmony is our natural state. And when we're in states of disharmony, how can we bring ourselves back into our natural wholeness and harmony and health? Absolutely. And if there was one takeaway that you would like to leave the audience with, what would it be? I believe that the most important decision we ever make is whether we live in a friendly universe or a hostile universe. And that is, there's a quote, something like that from Einstein. So it's not something that I made up. But um, I just have found so much comfort in choosing to believe that we live in a friendly universe and that the universe wants what's good for me and wants what's best for all of us. And in that perspective, I find that there's a lot of hope And I'm so hopeful for the opportunity for us to find inner peace within ourselves and see that reflected in the outside world with more peace in the world. Yes. That's so beautiful. It really is. Kelly, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today, your energy, your time, all of the gems you've dropped. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love conversations like this. I really enjoyed talking to both of you and I appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. So thank you. Thank thank you you so much, Kelly. You're such a beacon of light. You have such a radiance to you and we're so grateful to have been able to experience and witness it here today. Oh, thank you. You too. Both of you have a beautiful afternoon. Thank you. And Kelly, we're going to mention your information in our show notes. If you just want to let listeners know where they can find more information or connect with you. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, So you can follow me on social media, mostly on Instagram or LinkedIn, because I do a lot of corporate work um, at Anchor Meditation in both those places. Or you can go to our website, www.anchormeditation.com. And on our website, you can get that free Kickstarter I mentioned. And then I think that we sent you guys a link. I have a monthly um, meditation membership. And I think we sent you a link, or if we didn't, I'll send it to you now for a free month of that membership. So anyone who's interested in that, you can explore some of the workshops and breathwork ceremonies and um, meditation and energy tools that are 
within the meditation membership. And then I also have a six week uh, self-paced online course for anyone who is looking to learn more about meditation and explore the topics that I mentioned of relaxation and compassion and emotional awareness and all that. Kelly, thank you so much for that. That's such a beautiful offering that you're giving. So thank you so, so much. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank Take you care. So yes, Take care. many blessings. <laughs> okay, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Continue flowing in your own space by simply being. If this resonated with you and you feel called, please be sure to follow us, like, and share. Until next time, wherever you go, give yourself space, space to flow. flow. <laughs> Peace, Peace out, family. family. <laughs>